welcome to that tech pod uh we have a special bonus episode for you all i am gabby schulte and i'm laura milstein and today uh we're really excited we have elisa jaffe elisa is a well-known uh person in both television and radio in western washington she's been a tv news reporter and anchor host and executive producer of the live daily tv talk show northwest afternoon a host of book author interview program Well Read that aired on PBS stations around the country and currently anchors afternoons on Northwest News Radio. Uh, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, you two. Absolutely. So we wanted to bring you on because because of your expertise and uh, and we wanted to sort of, you know, get your perspective of how the tech of TV and radio has sort of changed throughout the years. Um, so kind of just tell us a little bit first about yourself and how you got started in the industry. Well, I've been doing this for so long, I forget. <laughs> I started as a, um, a reporter and anchor in Knoxville, Tennessee, after going to journalism school in Columbia, Missouri. And then um, my first job after that was in Seattle. And I was a reporter. And I went from reporter to an afternoon talk show. And I did that for 14 years. And I was the host of it. And we interviewed everybody from Jimmy Carter to John Bon Jovi to Ellen DeGeneres to Barack Obama and Donald Trump. And I mean, you name it, we'd have rock stars, we'd have serial killers, (laughs) we had um, politicians. And then um, I went back to news after that. And I did investigative reporting. And then I did Um, problem solver reporting, trying to make things happen for people in need. And then I switched to radio. It was not just a matter of trying to age gracefully in a job that is not as kind to women as after they get to be 40 years old. And that does happen. But also because I had a son in high school who sometimes they need more attention even when they're older than they do when they're younger. And I was a single mom at the time. So it gave me better hours to help him. I just have to ask, out of everyone you've interviewed, was there anyone that like stood out that you were just like, I'm so glad this person came on the show, good or bad? Uh, there's, there are quite a few. I'm not going to get into all the bad ones, but there are, some of the bad ones would surprise you. Um, I would say, in, you know, one of my co-hosts at the time, we both thought Jimmy Carter was one of the most beautiful people authentic that you'd ever meet. He he would cry. He would be so loving. He just felt like he made you feel like you were the only person in the room. So he was he was absolutely a beautiful person. And that was a that was a treat. I I've heard that about him and kind of that the role of the presidency was was, you know, maybe a little too harsh for how good of a person he was. I think he wasn't, he was too good in some ways for, for doing that. He had so much to offer and um, he got boxed in, I think in terms of how people perceived him, but just loved his wife and wrote poetry (laughs) about her and just a great heart. Great heart. I I would like to uh, be, end up with someone who writes poetry about me. That's a nice. Yeah, that, that wouldn't be bad. Would it? <laughs> there bad. was a young lady from Nantucket. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna say no. Thank you to that. I'm like, if no. you have 
If you have spare time to write me a poem, there's better things you could be doing with your time. I don't have the time to read this. It's beautiful. <laughs> Show wow. me you love. Show me you love me. I don't want these harsh. words. Words harsh. Uh, we know your love first. language. Wash my car. Yeah. Yep. Actions first. Actions. Yeah. Um. Well, that's that's super interesting. I I wonder. You know, what are some of the things that like. I guess you know. You said you you went into interviewing sort of all these types of people to more investigative journalism. What brought you back to investigative journalism? Well, I think it was just the change in the the industry and getting back to a different part of television. It was doing TV news versus doing a talk show. And you know, it's funny because I was just cleaning out my desk because I'm. I'm retiring, but I'm still helping them until they find my replacement. So I found my Rolodex and a Rolodex is a little thing that kept your, oh, <laughs> just in case, yeah. for those of you who don't <laughs> know what that is, you know, you could spin it and it had all the cards in it. And I was looking at it and mine had Rosie O'Donnell show because she used to have a TV talk show and it had Marla Maples Trump. Um, there were just all these names in there. And I was, and I thought about how I was going to talk to you. We used to get people's numbers because you'd call the operator and you'd ask for a person's phone number. Now that's not how it works. Everybody's got a mobile phone. And so you can't, you know, just track them down as easily. You have to reach them by writing them a note on Twitter or direct messaging them on Facebook. If they're there, um, you don't just get this little Rolodex and people pass you business cards. Nobody even has a business card anymore. So it's a lot tougher to track down the people that you want to find an interview because they used to give you their address and their phone number just by calling the operator. Yeah, I think that's that's one of the things we wanted to bring you on is just to kind of showcase how much we have changed. And mm -hmm. I think, you know, tech aside, we have changed in numerous ways, obviously. But when you bring tech into it, you can look at things where a TV, you look at that in a tech sense, it went from a huge TV, black and white, to then it's flat screens. And now we're not even always watching the TV. We're watching our phones. We're watching things through the computer. We're listening uh, through different, a million different sources. And so from your experience, having a talk show that was live on television and you had viewers that are watching to now where you're kind of at home with a mic and, and retiring and making all these new life changes, which also super congratulations. That's awesome. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Uh-huh. What would you say was a hard transition in that, in the tech with that? Was it the difference between being on screen and saying, hey, we're live and our tech is basically cameras and you're not worried about editing because you're just doing this? Is it now that people are maybe watching your episodes on TV, so you have to record it differently? What kind of tech has really changed for you in, in your role? Well, one of the things that was great about doing um, a live shot for news or a live shot for or doing a live daily TV talk show, you're done once it's once it's over. You did it, whether you made a mistake or whether you did a great job, whatever it's you finish five o'clock, seven o'clock, you go home and it's gone. Now it lives on forever. That piece will haunt you <laughs> or, you know, you'll be able to celebrate it for a long time because it everybody can research it. So when I did the talk show, people are always asking me, hey, I think I sat in the audience of your show. I don't remember what year it was, but it was 20 years ago. And you had Dolly Parton, you know, playing 
you know, some song on her fingernails. Can you find that? Because my mother, it was her birthday that day. And I've got it because I know where that is in the vault at our TV station, but we didn't save them. There wasn't, you know, the YouTube channel that we could have all of these shows on so that you could easily access them. But the station now can sell some of them because we didn't save all the shows. We only had so much room in the vault for tapes because the tapes were large. So you might save seven shows a month. You didn't just save everything and download it and then put it on a file and say, here, you could watch this. So when people are asking, I only have a few and I know where they are and I left and I I'm the last person that was on that show. And then that show was gone. So um, when when the, the broadcasting company that now owns that station wants to sell it, people are always writing me a note like, do you remember when you interviewed, you know, the Duchess of York? And um, I'm like, oh, yeah, that was on a Thursday. You know, I've got I've just got it down. I have everything yeah. written down. Um, so that's a that's a difference. Yeah, no, it's so that's so interesting because, you know, what going back to what Laura was saying, people consume their entertainment, their news in so many different ways. Now it can be through YouTube on their phones. um, Yeah, on TVs, but normally through apps. Do you find that there's something a little bit lost there, you know, versus flipping through channels and kind of something catching your eye on like an interview? that you're you're seeing oh they're they're interviewing the duchess of york Ooh, let me let me tune into that um but now there's yeah there's there's something lost but there's you know just think about when you're sending a text and what's lost in translation in a text you you lose the inflection you lose the the facial features you know so you're missing a lot so i think there's something good and bad about it when i did well read that was a pbs a show that aired on PBS and it aired all around the country. And we would interview authors like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar or, you know, um, just all different people, whoever wrote a book at the, at the moment. And you can't see if they look frustrated or they look sad or they're smiling or they've got a smirk. You're missing some of the stuff that's happening, the body language, just by listening to you know, a podcast. Because we did a podcast at the same time that we did those interviews. The beautiful thing about that is it got more people. So the people who aren't just watching TV, who aren't stuck at, you know, in front of a a television or in the kitchen or in the living room can listen to it in the car, can listen to it when they're going for a walk. So you might get more exposure and they might be more honed in because they're blocking out all the other things in the world. When you're watching television, you're on your phone and you're playing Wordle or Candy Crush and you're cooking dinner and you're taking care of the dog and the cat and answering the phone, you know, you're doing other things. So when you are listening just to tech through a device like that, you really hear things that you might not have heard otherwise. So I think that's one of the benefits. Yeah, I agree with that. I I think it's it is so dependent now on on what people are doing in people's schedules and we've become so busy always thinking we're so important and doing a million different activities that it's almost like you need a million different outlets to be able to hear watch the show of your choice mm-hmm. and i think all of those things are changing so much that you're getting more apps that are people are now getting their news as you mentioned twitter on tiktok or youtube or twitter and i think those things are are 
in a way really positive but in some way it's kind of sad because i'm kind of like oh i miss the days where people are like oh it's friday night and i just want i'm so excited to have tgif i don't know if anyone mm -hmm. remembers that but like that was just a nice fun uh classic and so i think it's in some ways it's it's almost kind of sad to me um how do, how do you feel about it you know i was thinking about it the other day because i have a stepdaughter who's um was never really interested in the news. And here I do news and none of the kids watch news except my son. You know, he, he gets, he's 26, but he still gets the New York times. And I heard her really upset about Roe v. Wade and the decision and talking about it. And I was so impressed that she knew so much, but then it was also, it was a little skewed, some of her stuff. And I thought, where are you getting this? I'm, I'm so proud of you for getting vested. Well, she gets all her news from TikTok. And I'm like, Oh my God, seriously, you're getting everything from TikTok? Like she hasn't picked up a Washington Post or, you know, a, the New York Times or anything and isn't watching a news station. She's getting it from people just sharing their views, which doesn't make that person a journalist, but she's getting informed and she is talking about it and she's in, and it's engaging for her, but it's also not filtered it's not they're not checking the facts it's just people you know talking about things and that mm -hmm. to me is a little bit frightening because that is where so many people are getting their information now no you're you're 100 right and that's where tech although it's advancing so much if you are not doing the research behind it whether that's news related or even just using an app and not knowing where your data is going you are thinking nothing of it and thinking you're informed and thinking you're getting these things, but they may not be correct. And it's almost like when you go to a restaurant and there's too many options and you just don't know what to order. We now have too many sources for news and sources of media in, in a way that you don't know what's correct and what's not, where I think in previous times you would just put on your local news channel and that's what you heard and that's what you know and so you know there's an argument i guess to both sides uh gabby what do you think no i think that's right and i think um i think that a lot of times these platforms lend themselves for like i guess you would call them like armchair journalists or or something like that where i think it's it's hard you know I myself do work in the media and I know that there's plummeting trust in, in news sources right now. So what do you think about like, you know, um, people kind of turning away a little bit from these established news sources to independent journalists or even, as you said, your your stepdaughter kind of just finding people on TikTok that she um, trusts in a way to get her information? I guess it all depends on who they are. And I think you have to do enough homework to really figure out what you're watching. And is, are you getting just something that's, you know, some Facebook algorithm and they are targeting you and they're feeding you a bunch of bull. You don't, you really need to do your homework. I think um, independent journalists are great. I think vice is great. You know, there, there is some, still some digging that might not be mainstream media, but I also think a lot of people have an agenda and don't follow the same oath and, you know, that I would follow. And, um, so I, I just wish they would find enough of a balance and know 
once you get the blend, then make your decision instead of just sticking to one thing that we know is just biased and you can't even call it reporting. You can't be talking about what's happening with the January 6th committee and not be watching the January 6th committee hearings and just be talking about how they're fake and, you know, this is not real and then, but not cover them. You need to offer that so people can make their own decisions. Right. Um, so one more question for you before we let you go. And thank you so much for your time. Mm -hmm. um, we want to just ask you, what do you think, um, you know, as we said, people are consuming their their uh, media in all these different ways. Now, there's so much tech out there. Where do you think this is heading? You know, um, as somebody who's been in the industry for so long? Uh, yeah, where do you kind of see this heading in, in the years to come? You know, I don't I don't think we're going to be consumers of television news as much. I think it's going to be mainly digital, but I'm, I'm not good with the crystal ball thing. So I wouldn't say that I I have it. I worry about newspapers, um, yeah. their their future, because it's so expensive. But I think there was sort of a, you know, rebirth after everything that happened in the last several years. Um I don't know, but I know one of the things that uh, makes me worried is that we are doing more of the marketing for companies when we are in journalism because they want us to tweet sometimes 10 times a day. And then the company wants us to put a few Facebook posts on. And then so you're spending so much time doing the marketing for this company. And but don't be too, don't be biased, but be yourself but get the facts out, but watch how much you get this out. So everybody's worried about what they're saying and what they're writing, that we are not, um, we're not focusing as much on the quality and the content of the product that we got into the job to do in the first place, which was journalism and reporting, because we have so much time that we have to devote to social media, because that's where everybody's getting their news. So if you're new into the industry, it's easier for you to accept that because that's what the way it is and your thumbs work faster than mine. And if you're not, it's, it's sort of sad to see what happens to the quality of the work that we put out because we don't have as much time to dedicate to doing all the background checks and the best interviews and the best writing that we could. Yeah, so that, you made a lot of uh, me. good points. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you're scaring me right now. Uh, and I think you're probably scaring some of our listeners as well. But I, I think they're all very fair points. I think it's accurate. And I think it's more what we try to put out into the world is just pay attention, do your own research, see what's going on. It's exciting to watch the world change, but it's also scary to watch the world change, um, depending on what that looks like. When I'm saying exciting, I'm mostly talking tech. Uh, but, you know, here nor there. Either way, thank you so much for coming on our show today. We really appreciate it. This was an exciting bonus episode, and uh, we're happy that, that we got to have you on. Thank you for inviting me. It was nice, you too. <laughs>